In today's episode, we talk with Cody McBroom of Tailored Coaching Method. If you guys do not follow Cody or Tailored Coaching, highly recommend them. We've known Cody for several years now and just adore him, appreciate the content that he puts out. It is next to none. His blogs are amazing. His knowledge is amazing. It's all research-backed and science-based. And so today we dive into how to know if you are doing enough, if you're pushing yourself hard enough in your workout, and what it truly means to have a strategic, progressive training program. And if you want to connect with him, all the links are in the show notes. Please like, share, rate this podcast, share it out with your friends and family as this is one you're not going to want to miss. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators, and this is The Food Code. Welcome to The Food Code. We have another awesome guest today. We have Cody McBroom, and I am so excited because this is going to be a great episode for those that are interested, especially in training. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really, really excited to have a different kind of like, not perspective, but come from a different person. The conversations around women and training and exercise and all of those good things. So Cody, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, We are excited to have you. Um, we would love if you could introduce yourself to our audience, tell them who you are, what you do, kind of how you got started with your company and, you know, where it's at now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. It's a, it's an honor and I always love talking shop with like-minded people. So this is going to yeah. be fun. Uh, as you said, my name is Cody McBroom. I own the company Tailored Coaching Method, uh, which I mean, to kind of package it all in a nutshell, started as a blog, um, didn't become a company until I, I like a really legit company until uh, we found out that we were going to have my daughter. So long story short, I, I always kind of grew up the chubby kid and uh, never was really athletic. I mean, I played sports a little bit and I'd never lifted a weight in my life. That just was not something that interests me. Neither did school. I just wasn't good at any of it. And then uh, as I went through high school and I graduated, a lot of friends go off and play college sports and I just kind of didn't. So I, I was at this place where I had two different knee injuries. And I've actually had multiple knee surgeries at this point. And uh, I was gaining more weight and I was just in a bad place. Just wasn't happy with myself, uh, personally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, mentally, physically, anything really just kind of a down slump. And uh, one day I realized, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's all my control. And the more I complain about it, the less action or success or happiness I'm ever gonna find, you know? And so I actually literally looked at myself in the mirror and just kind of said, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like literally and i can actually picture i actually literally looked at myself in the mirror naked for the first time and just look like just identified myself and was like this is pathetic like you got to create change and uh i don't always recommend cold turkey but i literally just was like i'm just going to completely change everything so i stopped partying stopped smoking stopped doing all the shit that were bad habits i cut out a bunch of bad food in my life and at that time it was like i'm gonna start eating special k cereal and drinking (laughs) diet coke like that to me was like dieting and granted it cut my calories and it worked and I lost weight and I, and I started pursuing fitness. Um, I ended up meeting somebody who was just a legend, the strength world way back. And he ran a personal training 
program at the community college I was going to. And uh, he saw me working out, tried to give me some advice. I kind of blew him off because he didn't look like he was in shape. And I was just like, whatever, old dude, like I was an ignorant 18 year old. And I ended up one day skipping class and going to his class and just fell in love with what he was teaching. It was functional movement. And it was during like the functional era where everybody was like bouncing on BOSU balls and everything, but he was teaching it from like an actual good perspective of what it was supposed to be about. And uh, I just started hanging around him at his gym that he owned. And then he introduced me to so many people, Dan John, Greg Cook, Charlie Weingroff, Eric Mm -hmm. Cressy. I just started meeting all these people and they didn't know who I was, but I was able to be a fly on the wall in these rooms at such a young age. And Eventually, he introduced me to somebody named Luca Hospar, who owned a gym out there. Um, that's actually how me and Liz know each other through her husband. Um, and I interned with him and then got a job there. And I actually trained people for six and a half years there while pursuing further education certifications. Um, and I was just obsessed. I just was like grinding. And, and I remember at the very beginning, it was, you know, I had a blog. And at the time, the blog was called uh, BeFitLiveGreat.Weebly.com. Weebly was what <laughs> I like, made the blog with, and I didn't want to pay to get that out of the URL, so I just <laughs> left it. And uh, I told him in the interview, I was like, you know what? I love training. I love fitness, but I want to create a, a website. I want to like do like an online thing. And at the time, it really wasn't something. So he was like, how are you going to make money? No idea. I was like, all right, well, you know before you go spread information online, you should train people in person for five years and really like learn this stuff. And so I did, I trained people for six and a half years until I found out my girlfriend at the time was pregnant and we decided that I, well, I decided that I was gonna quit my job. Seems like a logical thing to do. Um, So I quit my job and gave up all my clients and I told her, I was like, hey, I'm I'm gonna create this online thing I've been talking about for so long, like now's the time and you're never gonna go back to work. Like you, you're just gonna stay on maternity leave. And she laughed and said, like, I believe you, but I'm not staying home. I'm not a stay at home mom. I'm going to go work. Like, I love my job. I'm independent. I don't need your money. I was like, okay, well, it's going to happen. Um, and I started just grinding. I built the company. It was called Boom Boom Formants at the time. My nickname's always been Cody Boom Boom McBroom. So I started as a blog and it just kind of evolved into like a blog, into an Instagram, into a podcast, into videos, into the coaching and the membership site. And I just kept doing more and more and more until I couldn't handle any more clients myself got another coach, got an assistant and just kind of kept scaling. Um, and, and honestly, it was the, like during that nine month period of when she was pregnant, it happened so fast and it grew so quickly. Um, and even though I was financially ready to support her, she still was saying no <laughs> until uh, the second she saw her daughter's face in the hospital, she literally looked at me and said, okay, I'm not going back to work. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, and so it grew. And then eventually I decided to change the name to tailored coaching method because boom, boom performance one was named after me. And I didn't like that because it's not about me. It's about us. And number two does not explain what we do whatsoever. Not even in the slightest it actually just confuses people. So they would be like, it would catch people's attention. They'd be like, what is that? What do you do? Um, but now we uh, we're located in Bonnie Lake, which is a city outside of Tacoma and Seattle area. And uh, we have a 5,000 square foot facility, which is really just for like team meetups. We have a gym, we have content. Um, we just created an apparel company, which hasn't officially launched yet, but we have like the distribution center here and where the print machines and everything go. Um, our offices, we have the podcast, uh, Taylor Trainer app, which we are recreating and actually going to launch again this year. Um, so there's a lot of cool projects and we just, we just help people lose weight, build muscle, get healthy. The same stuff you guys preach and do as well. It's just, we're just coaches. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the whole thing in a nutshell. I love it. 
And so proud of you. I mean, I've been just like in behind the scenes mm-hmm. for a long, long time, like just from when you and Art met and when way back, you know, in the day when you were uh, working with Luca. And man, that guy can chat. We had dinner <laughs> one year, Art and I with Luca. I forgot what conference we were at. And we were at dinner for like three hours because Luca just loves to chit chat and talk nonstop. So I'm sure you learned a ton from him um, and a lot of respect for him. But I love that you were talking about being in person with people for so long because I we appreciate that right um, art and I owned a gym for a long time and like that practical application it's much different if you're reading something and I know you talk a lot about practical application but really working with people individually in person and if there's one thing I know about you you're very empathetic and I appreciate that because I think so many people that's probably why a lot of people resonate with you and just that growth that you experienced during that time I'm sure set you up for the success that you have now. So before we dive in to talk about the training stuff, by the way, the Taylor trainer is kicking my butt and I love it. Um, but I would love for you to talk a little bit about the growth that you had as a person, right? Like I know you went through some, um, you know, kind of warrior-esque uh, things with Luca and Steve and things like that. But how did you, during that time, really evolve as a person, because obviously you were doing all the research, you were writing all of these blogs, you were working in person with uh, clients, but I think there's more to the story of how Cody actually stepped into the power that you have today. That is a good, really good question. Um, I think it boils down to quite a few things. Like, I mean, number one, and it's such a cliche thing to say, but like getting uncomfortable is so important. And there's just been so many times where I've forced myself into uncomfortable positions. Um, even like speaking of that warrior-esque thing, like resurrection week, I remember going through that. I was 20, 21 years old. And I'm with a group of guys who are 30 to 40 years old, who already own gyms, all stuff. Like most people would say like, I have no business being there. And part of me did say that, but I have this weird thing in my brain that just kind of shuts off those thoughts. And I, in it, in it, sometimes it creates like almost an ignorant level of self-belief of just like, why not? Why not me? Why not try? Why not do it? And I just don't care. And I think it's a, it's a gift and a curse because obviously it can get you in trouble. But um, so, it, you know, as far as like what has helped me with the growth, I think a big piece of it is that it's just saying like there was a period of time and I say this to a lot of people, I'm like, hey, say yes to as many things as you possibly can. Because there's been so many times where if I would have allowed self-doubt to creep in, I would have said no. And then I would have missed out on opportunities that have changed my life and allowed me to do so much more. And the truth is, is that the more I said yes, the more opportunities I had, the more times I was challenged, the more uh, situations I got in that I had to, you know, figure out how to succeed or I failed and learned a valuable lesson. Now I can't do that as much because my time is limited. So obviously I think there's, there's also good advice to tell entrepreneurs of like, Hey, get good at saying no, because sometimes you, you have to be good at that too. But at the beginning, it was just saying yes over and over and over again. And a lot of it was just doing the deep work with people like that, hiring mentors, hiring business coaches, uh, like really trying to discover more about myself and why I was doing things. Um, you know, for a long time, I think, and I think a lot of people struggle with this and I don't think they realize uh, they, they pursue success or achievements based on the acceptance of others. And I think that's the wrong reason to do it. And I learned a lot about that with really trying to uh, achieve ex- acceptance for my father. Like that was like the whole thing for a long time. And it was all, it was always money related. And I think I, lo- I was able to really figure that out and then have a crucial conversation with him to like express to him like what I was doing and how it wasn't fulfilling me. Um, and that was, that was a huge step in my chapter. It actually like kind of allowed me to figure out like my sole purpose, you know, like, why am I actually doing all this? Cause it's not to show my dad, I bought a BMW. 
or like the new house or anything like that. And I remember like literally getting cool things like that and immediately wanting to send it to my dad. And like the one that stood out to me, this is actually when I started having like a really big, like I opened moment with it is I sent him a picture of a BMW I bought and his response was like, oh, you went with gray. And I just remember being like, what? Like, I just bought a brand new BMW and I'm like literally like 24 years old. Like you can't be like, Hey, I'm proud of you, son. Like, you know, but it, it it's a BMW. Who gives a fuck, you know, like that. And that's the thing. And so, uh, you know, that led me down a path of like trying to discover things. I actually went through a process. It's actually called discovering your sole purpose. And that actually taught me a lot too. And, and for people listening, you can do this is you like literally ask people what they think your sole purpose is. And it was crazy to get feedback from all these people who really knew me and all of them basically just say, you are here to make other people's life better. Like you go out of your way to help people figure out how to do life better, whether it's from a relationship perspective, a fitness, health, nutrition, finance, like you're like, everything you do is constantly trying to improve people's life. And it really allowed me to like go all in on myself and what I'm here for. And, and ever since then, it's just been like, and going back to the yes and no thing ever since then, it allows me to really have a, like a good gauge of what I say yes to and what I say no to. Cause then I know it's like that whole thing. It's, it's either a fuck yes or a fuck no, because if it aligns with my sole purpose, I'm just, I'm all over it. I'm, I'm in, you know, like, yeah. where do you want me to fly? Where do you want me to speak? What do you want me to do? Who can I help? It doesn't matter. Or it's just like, nope, that's good. It's not aligned with like my compass. And, and so I have to respectfully yeah. say no. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know if that answers the question completely, but it's like, that's, that's kind of what comes to mind is, is really just like yeah. a lot of those situations that helped me discover that. Yeah. yeah. It was a loaded question. Yeah. And I think it's all about, <laughs> like you said, kind of taking risks, you know, I, I think that everyone's going to have some level of self-doubt when something scary comes up and like a big step and the saying yes to so many things. And especially like you mentioned, mentors and coaches and, you know, I feel like it's something that needs to be done a lot more these days. A lot of people just with information out there, like people think they can do it on their own and then they continue to struggle. They continue to fail. They continue to do the same things over and over again and not see any change. And I know for me, like the biggest things that I've had in terms of awakenings or growth moments have been because of other people pushing me, you know, and I'm pretty good at pushing myself, but like I would never get to the levels because everyone limits themselves to an extent, I think. And so you need people 100%. to push you. Um, so yeah. I love mentioning that. And I think that that's something that I wanted to repeat from what you just said, because a lot of people will limit themselves. And that's why I think mentors, coaches, you know, mm-hmm. advisors are so important. Yeah. Well, we're here. If, we're, I mean, Fit Mom is where it's at today because Cody, right? We met some other people through you. Mm-hmm. Art, right? You guys know each other way back in the day, the mentors. It's like a trickle down effect. And I truly believe that if you are a good coach and you're invested in your clients, you're invested in yourself and your growth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I, I, like sometimes uh, if I, I always think like for the average person, if I told them how much money I've invested in coaching, oh my God, they would should have read. But it's, it's crazy. Cause like, I can think back to, you know, I started as, as a trainer and a strength coach at 18 years old. Um, I'm going to be 30 in a couple months. I've never not had, coach since Mm -hmm. then like I started hiring coaches back then and mentors um and it's actually cool like the mentor I'm with uh, I literally it's it's funny because like now we've like just decided that it's not going to be a formal like coaching because we've gone really close he also coaches and mentors my wife I pay him to mentor my entire team because I think they need that as well he's also a partner in the apparel company now we're starting it together um 
Andreas, I've known him for almost a decade. So he was one of like, he was actually a client that I covered for Luca when Luca was out of town. And so that's how I met him. And so I've known him for so long and he's watched me grow and it's been a really, really cool thing. Um, but I mean, easily a couple hundred thousand dollars in my lifetime mm -hmm. invested in coaching. And that's not to impress people. It's to impress upon how much I value that. I will yeah. cut out the Xfinity cable bill before I cut out <laughs> fucking coaching because like you said, it's accountability. It makes mm -hmm. you do the work. And I've gone a, a short period of time without a coach and realized I just don't do as much. I don't do as much for myself. I don't do as much for others. I don't take action as quick. I don't have as much structure. It's just we were literally, the accountability. literally just talking about this in our walk home. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> about, pretty much. Like, like obviously, you know, clients and stuff like that. And it's just, it's, it's hard because I think to an extent you can only extend your hand so far, you know, as a coach. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard thing. Um, but it, it just hopefully the more people hear it, uh, the more people will realize that you need them. If you want to grow as a human, you need other people to push you. It's just, otherwise you have no idea what your potential is because you, yeah. you are going to limit yourself. It is just human nature. Um, so absolutely. But anyways, I wanted to pick your brain about the thing that, you know, you have become the expert on in terms of training. And Liz and I both are avid train, you know, we love training. We love exercise. We love strength training in particular for women. Um, so the big thing that Liz and I talk a lot on is like progressive training programs and things that are, you know, building upon themselves in nature versus doing random hit workouts or, you know, it, I saw this Instagram workout or, you know, basically having no structure, no purpose to training and just exercising. Um, so I would love your opinion and kind of just like insight on really what progressive training is and why it is so important for body composition change, for looking a way that I think a lot of people, especially women who is the majority of our population, want to look. And so can you talk a little bit in, in the sense of like what progressive programs are and why they are, I would say, even necessary for body composition change? Yeah. Amazing question. And I think that um, this is like one of my biggest uh, riffs with CrossFit. I don't have anything wrong with CrossFit from a perspective of like, if you love to do it, go fucking do it. I think like there's, there's levels to everything, right? And, and level number one of fitness in general is like, do it. I don't care if it's Zumba, just do it, you know? But then at a certain point you go, okay, like I'm actually really into this stuff. I want to improve. Like I have a very specific goal. Okay, then we have to get more specific with how you're training. Zumba is not going to make you look like a bikini competitor. I'm sorry, it's just not. Um, but neither is CrossFit. And that's a problem. A lot of people do CrossFit because they want to look better. And although CrossFit can help you lose weight, I think they're, it, one of the big reasons it's not that effective for body composition changes long-term is because it's extremely random. Um, a lot of people look at CrossFit Games competitors and they look amazing. Those people are not doing the wads that you see in the gym. I have done nutrition coaching for multiple CrossFit Games athletes. They're not doing that. Trust me. They train two to three times a day. They're completely separate training sessions. They have an Olympic session. They have a powerlifting session, accessory session. They have a aerobic session and they break it up because that's how you effectively train concurrently. Throwing everything into an hour long period is just a recipe for mediocre results and injuries, plain and simple. Um, now, I will say this. There are some CrossFit gyms that do things better and, and avoid injuries and they help people and their culture and community is absolutely insane. And I think that is unbelievable. So for some people who come and they're like, I want to lose 20 pounds and like not be like a lethargic, unathletic 
immobile, unflexible. Like, okay, cool. Go do CrossFit because if it's going to keep you in there, that's all I care about. But once we get to a point where we're like, hey, I want to progress. I want to change my body composition. We have to start thinking about how to train to build muscle. And I'm assuming a big part of your audience is probably women. Big part of my, my audience is women. A lot of the people I train and work with are women. And even if your goal is fat loss, we are still training to build muscle. And I think that's a misconception a lot of women have is they think that training for hypertrophy, which is muscle growth, is not going to lead to fat loss. They think that fat loss means cardio-based stuff. So they try to do high-intensity intervals. They do more circuit-style training. And the problem with that is, is twofold. Number one, cardio-based movements you're going to adapt to very quickly because your body adapts rather fast to dieting into cardio. And if you adapt, you're not getting the benefit out of it long-term. So doing the same amount of cardio, I always say like you go from being a gas guzzler to a hybrid, which is not what you want if you're trying to burn calories and fat, because the more hybrid like you get, the less calories you're burning because your body's better at it, right? You get really good and efficient at that cardio. You're not doing as much as you want to do for the fat loss result. Whereas strength training, if you have a progressive system for it, it's very, very hard for your body to adapt. And just as it starts to adapt, you change it and then it has to try to adapt again, right? Um, and that's why it's really good. And, and circuit training is kind of that middle ground that a lot of people fall into. They think, well, circuit training is great because I can do weights and I can do it at a fast pace so my heart rate gets up. And it's kind of like cardio and I'm burning a lot of calories, which probably are, but it's also kind of like strength training because I'm using weights. But the problem there is that your rest periods are so short and your exercise selection is so limited that you can't overload the muscular system or the nervous system. So what you end up doing is lifting light weights really fast, which doesn't really build much muscle and you can't progress it, right? And if you try to progress an overload, you probably hurt yourself. And then your rest periods are so short that you can't actually lift heavier. So I wanna put that stuff out there first because I think those are all the things that kind of come to a lot of women's mind of like, that's how I should be training for fat loss. Yeah. but the way that I approach training for most people is that training for, for hypertrophy and strength, your goal during a fat loss phase is to maintain your muscle and your health and your strength with your training. Your goal with dieting and probably like meat and maybe a little bit of cardio is to lose fat. So if we can kind of separate the two and realize like, okay, I'm not going in the gym to sweat as hard as I can and burn calories. I'm going to the gym to get stronger, empower myself and my movement patterns, develop my nervous system, build muscle tissue. That is your goal. Um, and how that looks in a progressive manner can be different depending on what we're doing. Um, and again, there's layers to it, but the, for the most part, what we're trying to do is, is pick a specific goal and stay within the ranges of that specific goal. So back in the day, there was the, the uh, like strength zone is one to five reps, you know, hypertrophy zone is eight to 12, endurance is 520. Um, it's technically inaccurate because research shows that you can build muscle in any of those rep ranges as long as volumes equated so you could do sets of three to build strength and as long as you do enough volume you'll build just as much muscle as you would if you were doing sets of eight to ten however in order to accumulate enough volume by doing sets of three i mean you're going to be there for like three or four hours mm -hmm. and your nervous system and joints are going to be just smashed because you're lifting so heavy right mm -hmm. you have to take long rest periods it's more wear and tear so although like a lot of people say, well, that's false, you can build muscle in any rep range. And that's true. It's kind of right because it's more of like the eight to 12 rep range or like the, I say usually eight to 15 rep range. 
is just more efficient for hypertrophy and body composition changes. So most people who want to train for body comp changes, I usually gear towards that. We're staying in that like eight to 15 rep range. Certain exercises, maybe we drop down a little bit lower because we want to build some strength in. And then the way we focus on progression is just making sure that we have some kind of repeated bout effect in progressive model. So the repeated bout effect is pretty simple. You want to do the same exact thing repeatedly. So week after week, in order for your body to get better at it from a skill perspective, so like a neurological perspective, and therefore you can build on top of it. And that's, again, going back to the CrossFit analogy, that's the problem with CrossFit. It's very random. Every day you go in, it's different. Well, if we go in and do something different, we never progressively overload because we're having to relearn the skill of a movement. Even if like for myself, I've, I've done a reverse lunge a million times, but if I do a reverse lunge this week and then a Bulgarian split squat next week and then a forward lunge the next week and I keep switching it, by the time I get back to a reverse lunge, it's kind of remembering the technique. So the newer the individual, the less variety we can we would have, the, the more advanced the individual, the, the, uh, the more variety we can have. So we have this repeated bout effect where everybody's repeating the same things week after week. And then we have to add a progressive model. Now, um, for the repeated, repetitive side of things, just because I know people ask this question after I said that, if somebody's more advanced, I might have a three-week block, right? For me, I usually have three-week blocks. It means I, I start a new program, I have new exercises. That's like my learning curve week. Week two, week three, I overload it. And then week four, I change up the program, right? I can do that in a three-week manner and then switch it up and still get the stimulus because I've been training for over a decade. Whereas somebody who's new, I might go four, five, six weeks because it's like first one to two weeks, we're learning the movement. First, like the third week, you're comfortable with the movement. You finally feel okay to overload it. Week four, five, six, we're finally starting to progress and add weight. And then the new block, you start with new program, new exercises. It's kind of like your deload week because you're relearning the exercises, mm -hmm. not as fatigue. Um, and then the progressive model, it, it, it can vary. Uh, there's the most common are like a linear progression model and a double progression model, I would say are the two most successful ways to do it. Um, but technically progressive overload is just getting better. You know, like we could technically say this week we're adding a pause and that is going to create more tension and better control and that's progression. Now, the week after that, we're gonna add a slow negative. Week after that, we might add something else. But the best way to see body composition changes based on research is to have some kind of progressive overload where we're actually overloading the muscle. And what I recommend people do is take your compound lifts and use a linear approach. So your bench, squat, deadlift, or I would also call it like a metric-based lift, any lift you want to improve. So for example, maybe, uh, maybe you can't overload a, a pull-up or a chin-up because weighted pull-ups and chin-ups are pretty fucking hard to do with good technique, right? Okay, well, let's do a lat pull-down. Let's do a bent row. Let's do a seal row. Let's do a seated kill row. Let's do a dumbbell bench press. Let's do an RDL. Let's do a hip thrust. Any movement that you want to build strength in, to me, that's a compound lift. So the only reason we'd be tied to the bench squat deadlift, which is really popular, is if we are a competitive power lifter. Most of us aren't. So for me, my compound lifts actually are lat pull down, dumbbell bench press, barbell RDL, and a barbell squat. Why? Because those are geared towards what I want to build strength and hypertrophy. And, they, and I can progressively overload them over time. Um, now, I wouldn't put a curl in there. I want huge arms, but how much weight are you going to add to a curl over time, <laughs> right? And this is where we use a double progression method. So a double progression method would be week one, I have three sets of eight to 10 reps. And let's say I'm using it on a curl. Well, I will do three sets of eight at like the most I can probably lift with for eight reps. And then every week, I'm just trying to get more than eight reps. So 
typically what people could do for, especially for a new person, you would start with three sets of eight to 10 and you pick a weight that you can only do three sets of eight with, and you will repeat that exercise in that range until you can hit three sets of 10 with that same load. And then you would either go up in weight or you would change exercise. For me, it's still a three week cycle just because I get bored. I've done training for so long. I just know myself. Um, but that's a double progression method. And I think the best way to approach your training is to have linear progression for your compounds, and your metric based lifts, which by the way, for people listening, a linear progression would be your volume goes down, intensity goes up. So week one, maybe I'm doing four sets of eight week two, I'm doing four sets of six week three, I'm doing four sets of four. And then week four, which would be week one of my new program, I'm going right back to four sets of eight with the same movement. And I keep those compounds around for a longer period of time. And I'm just slowly trying to build, uh, strengthen them because mm -hmm. obviously I can do more weight for six than I could eight. But eventually when you keep going through the cycle, now I'm doing heavier and heavier loads for each of those rep ranges. And then all of my accessory work in my isolation exercises would be in that double progression method. So this is everything else that's not a, uh, a compound lift can fall into that category. And you're just slowly trying to progress that volume over time. And basically what we're doing here is, is quite literally like this time next year, hopefully I'm, I'm producing more volume per month than I was last year. And what that would be is your sets times reps times load. And that's your total tonnage. That's the total amount of work you've done in the gym. And that's ultimately what leads to, to muscle growth and body composition changes. So um, it was like a long winded answer, but to kind of like, I won't be able to really like encapsulate it all. I think people have to understand each aspect of it and just know again, for the women, like you really do want to approach training for fat loss or body composition changes as you are trying to build as much muscle as possible, because the best way to maintain muscle while you're cutting is to try to build muscle. And the best way to look lean or tone or athletic or dense or whatever is to build muscle because you're never going to be like, and I know a lot of people laugh at this because it's like not around anymore, but it, it's still very is prevalent. Like people think you're going to get bulky or you don't want to get too big. Or I've had plenty of women say like, Oh, I don't like to do too much legs because my legs get bulky. I'm like, no, like, you know, if we're gaining body fat, that's probably where you store more of it. You know, it's the same thing with me. Like, I don't say like, oh, when I do too much abs, my, my stomach gets bulky. No, like I just put on some fat. Like that's where I store it. Um, and, and, you know, I always tell people too, it's like, I'm, I'm very healthy. I monitor my, my hormones and get blood work and everything. I have very healthy hormone levels and testosterone level. And I'm trying really hard to get bulky and huge. And it's still, I'm not that big. So <laughs> trust me, like you'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just... I'm sure that that was like, for some people listening, a little sciencey, but hopefully it helps people understand programming is a science. Mm -hmm. Programming and programming properly, it, there are experts, obviously, like you and men, like Eric Cressy, Dan, like all of those people I'm big fans of. Um, there's a reason that those people exist to be able to create these models that are proven effective, not like... I felt like doing this today, so that's what I did today. And then I do that every day. And in three months, I don't understand why my body's not changing. Like, if you are not following a true program that is either like from a well known company like yours or the, from a coach that you have that has you progressively training in different rep schemes, you're probably spinning your wheels to an extent. Like, you might maintain. A lot of people, I think, maintain their fitness level doing things like that, um, but you're not gonna see change. And that's why this methodology is so important for weight training. And I can completely appreciate the CrossFit. I competed in CrossFit for like seven years. I had a coach that I did multiple sessions a day. 
I'm currently training to potentially compete again. And it's, I have a strength session. I have a gymnastics session. And in the off season, I don't do a lot of conditioning because that's not the focus. It's getting like, and so it's, it's still a science, but yes, I've seen horrible gyms with random programming that people get injured all the time. And most people don't spend enough time doing mobility and they come in trying to snatch and do all that crap overhead. And it's just a disaster. It is a disaster. And so completely appreciate that. I love CrossFit. I always have, but for the gen pop, it's dangerous. Well, and, and, you know, and I have a couple of friends, I have a couple clients too, that own CrossFit that do amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really, I think it, it, because it exploded, it's kind of a wild card because realistically, if we look like, if we just look at gyms in general, if we look at powerlifting situations, powerlifting actually, it's proven by research, has the most injuries compared to any sport, period. So like, we can't really just point the finger at one thing. It's just that you don't see gym pop people going to grungy powerlifting gyms yeah. and doing powerlifting, right? Totally. Um, and so there's there's good and bad with everything, obviously. And I think that the big thing is, is you know, kind of what you just said, it, it, it lends itself to specificity, which is like strength principle number one, right? You said you don't do condition off season because that's not the focus. Well, for some people, if that's what they suck at and they're a competitive crossfitter, that's exactly what they're doing because that's what they need. I'm you know? really so, good at, I'm, I have um, an engine and that's why I don't do it in the off season. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's all, it's all about specificity. And I think that, you know, like it is, it, it does get very sciencey, but at the same time, I think it can be simplified tremendously mm-hmm. because if we really like boil it down to like, I kind of have like a checklist, right. Of like, okay, what needs to be in a program before we get too like nitty gritty. And it's like, first and foremost, are you hitting all the movement patterns? If you're doing a full body session, like per session, let's say, but typically throughout the week, are you, you know, doing enough push, pull, hip hinge, squat, and then something for your core. Like if you really boil it down, like you just got to do those things. Next step. Are you overloading yourself? Because technically I would even argue that you really can't maintain high levels of fitness or strength or muscle if you're not progressing at all because you know like if, if we look at a financial situation like a business and stuff like this i had a really good conversation with my wife about this because she was asking me why it's like you always want more and more and more and more and it was a conversation around really being you know fulfillment and satisfaction are two different things but one of the analogies i used was like well technically if we look at inflammation if we look at tax rates if we look at uh, even like the the wall street like the stock market if we look at everything on average we see an increase of 13 percent per year all, all around right some some situations are higher some are lo- lower so technically if i just maintained bottom dollar of the business right now we would be losing money every year. We would be failing. We would have to get rid of things. We would have, you know what I mean? We wouldn't be able to afford as much because that's how things work. So in my opinion, you know, to maintain this much muscle or this much physical performance, we actually have to be able to consistently progress a little bit just to maintain it. Right. Um, And that means we have to have some kind of progression model in place. Um, I have a, you know, a few other things in there. Like uh, I believe you should do at least one unilateral exercise in every single session. Like that's something just to avoid imbalances. Some people might already have imbalances. So therefore we're doing more unilateral than not. Uh, but I think everybody should be doing a unilateral exercise in every single session. Um, there's then gets the like specificity of volume principle. So if somebody wants to bring up a lagging body part, now we're looking at, how many sets per muscle group are we doing throughout the week and how do we like divvy up more volume in certain places, but then also understand that there's a, a global fatigue as well as a localized fatigue. And what I mean by that is somebody comes to me and they're like, and this happens all the time. I want to develop my glutes. So should I just hit my glutes three times a week with a ton of volume? Yeah, you should, because research shows more volume is better, but that means you got a lower volume elsewhere because 
you know, it doesn't just mean your glutes are going to get more sore. It means your nervous system is going to like start to really get fatigued and you're going to burn out and now you're going to be overtrained and then you're going to have binges and you're going to have stress and dysfunctional cortisol levels. And like, it's this tailspin. So the more advanced people get, and this is why I said there's kind of levels to it, the more advanced a client gets, the more we start really considering all these little things. Um, but the beauty of, of, I mean, the beauty of being new it actually sucks because it's like the more you know and the more committed you are, the harder it gets to get results, which is very <laughs> ironic. But yes. um, the beauty of being new to this is like you're going to get results really easily compared to anybody else. You get newbie gains. So if you follow a very simple, you know, you're four days a week, you're hitting all the moving patterns and you're just progressing strength, you're going to get amazing results. I think the biggest key is like that repeated bout effect and having some kind of progression model to just make sure that, you know, this week in the gym, at the end of the session, you look at it, it's like, I did one more rep on this exercise or I added five pounds or whatever it may be. That's a win. You know, mm -hmm. that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I would love if we can kind of shift and talk a little bit about like rate of perceived exertion too, because I think a lot of people start programs. Like I'm just going to only speak from my experience with the strength training gym that we owned, seeing a lot of people in person, they had a lot more strength in them than they ever thought. Right. Like, Oh my gosh, I can squat 150 pounds that's like so super, super scary for some people to even mm -hmm. load the bar. But when we look at a progressive training program, like we always kind of found their base. Like, when are you fatiguing out? Are like, do you have one more in the tank at rep eight or are you just gassed? Right. And form starting to break down. So we would always kind of like start there and then that would be how we base. Okay. Next week, our goal is five, 10 pounds more the week after five, 10 pounds more. When we start the cycle over, two and a half percent, roughly, maybe 5%, depending upon the individual to increase. But it all comes down to, I think, for people who are in a gym by themselves, are you actually training hard enough and pushing your body hard enough? And so we would love for you to kind of talk through that in terms of just um, rate of perceived exertion and kind of how to know when you're at that level that's adequate. We always told our clients, leave some gas in the tank so you can recover, refill, come back tomorrow. Don't gas out and then be sore for three days and you can't come back into the gym. We don't want that. So we'd just love for you to kind of shed some light on that too. Cause I think it's important, especially for people who train on their own to have that awareness and understanding of, are you actually pushing yourself as hard as you could be? Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this and it's changed over the years. I think that, um, some of what I'm going to say is not proven by science whatsoever. Um, and I'm going to explain why I believe that, because I think that, you know, the way I look at this too, is like the whole gas tank thing. I agree. Like, do you, do you drive until you're like on E and you keep going and going and going like, and just pushing the limit? No, like when, when you see it getting close, you go fill up your tank, right? Like you don't want to get too close to that. However, I think some people step into the gym and because they're so new, they have uh, like a piece of paper covering their fucking speedometer and all that stuff. Like they can't see their gauge. You know what I mean? And, and I think the problem is, is that if you've never taken it to absolute failure, you actually don't know what failure is. So there's plenty of times where people are like, oh yeah, that's definitely one rep shy of failure. I'm like, no way in hell. You easily have a few more reps left. And I even know this for myself because I film constantly. And there was this time where like the time it really clicked for me is when I did a max uh, squat and uh, I remember literally racking it, looking at the camera and going, that was RPE 10, like literally going like, that was all I got. And I watched it and was like, oh my God, that was smooth. Like I literally popped up way faster than I realized. It was just because of my knee surgery, squat has always been like scary for me. So mentally I perceived this as like, this is, this is a lot, this is crazy. 
And I think there's a lot of people who don't really know where that is. And um, so in practicality, I think that it's hard because, you know, most research shows that you need to be uh, ideally, you know, you shouldn't go to failure because what research typically sh shows is that you can get just as much strength and muscle growth from going to absolute failure as you could as leaving a couple in the tank. The good news about that is that if you go to absolute failure, your next session is going to suck. If you leave two in the tank, your next session is going to be totally fine. So if we think of like long-term progress, it makes way more sense. So even if the study showed there's more growth or a little bit more benefit of going to failure, it's still not worth it because there's so much fatigue associated with it and injury risk. However, most research shows like even like three reps left. So like RPE seven or RIR three reps in reserve three is just as beneficial. And I can't get, I can't get on board with that because that's like, well, Kobe would have still been the best if he just kind of tried. <laughs> it's like, no, like he tried harder than anybody. That's why he was the best. You know, like I, I think there's like this, this, and maybe it's me being hardcore, but I think like you have to be able to like get to that gear and the push. If you look at anybody who's the strongest, the most fit, the, the best bodybuilder, the best crossfitters, anything, they are the people that are able to tap into that next level, right? Period. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's mental. So I can't get around to all the research, especially because there was also a study that showed um, people don't know how to gauge it properly. So there was like, I use this study all the time and, and I don't remember who did the study. I read the research review from Eric Holmes in Mass Research Review, which is fantastic if anybody, I'm not affiliated with them, but um, it's really, really good for like people who want to learn more about science and researchers take studies and actually like break it down in layman terms. Um, but they had, I can't remember how many people in the study for bench press. It was like, put your 10 rep max on the bar. You're going to go to absolute failure. There's a spotter here. And uh, we're going to see like how well you gauge your RPE. So this is RPE 10, absolute failure. And I want to say the lowest rep count was 12. The highest was 26 and the average was 16, mm -hmm. which just goes to show that like everybody is underestimating their strength. So yep. to me, if I program the gym pop person to go to RPE 10, I'm probably at RPE 8. I don't think people realize that RPE 8 means you have a gun to your head and you can only do two more reps which nobody thinks like that in the gym. That sounds ludicrous, but yeah. I, I really, I believe there's an aspect of it that you actually have to take it that far. You have to take it to discomfort to get the absolute most out of it. Um, but people need to develop proper form and technique before they can do that. Because what the problem is, is that's functional, like functional failure or like getting functionally close to failure is where I do only have one or two reps in the tank, but I'm still avoiding injury, right? If I'm getting to the point where, I, I have one rep left in the tank, but I'm going to break my back in the process. Like, I think we can all intuitively say that's not a good idea, you know? Yeah. Um, I, so like where I kind of sit with all this, I still use it in my programming because I think it's very important. I use a, a 10 RPE more often than a lot of people. I use nine a lot uh, because I don't think people truly understand how to gauge that RPE. And I want them to read that and go, okay, this should be really hard. And as long as they're taking care of their form, then I know they're going to be safe. Um, I have shifted to using RIR more, and this was uh, created later after RPE. So RIR stands for reps in reserve. And I think for most people strength training, that makes a lot more sense because if I'm going eight reps and it's RPE eight, it gets kind of confusing. Mm -hmm. It's almost like if you're doing an RPE of whatever, and it's a set of 10, it becomes really easy because you're just like on a scale of one to 10, how close to failure are you, you know? But when we start changing the rep ranges, it gets more difficult. And, and originally RPE was uh, rate of perceived exertion was designed for endurance athletes. It was a way for them to gauge their pace on a long, long run. Mm -hmm. So they knew if they stayed at 
uh, a six RPE they could run at this distance with this heart rate and it was easy for them to gauge. Whereas when powerlifters adopted it, it was kind of tweaked a little bit. Um, and then bodybuilders adopted it and started making it RIR, reps and reserve, which would be the inverse. So an RPE of eight is an RIR of two, but that just, it just makes so much more sense. Okay, I leave, I have one rep in reserve, two reps in reserve. I just leave one in the tank, I leave two in the tank. Just makes a lot of sense. Um, so I still use that a lot. And, and like I said, most research shows, you know, one to three reps shy of failure is going to be pretty beneficial with most things. So the way I tend to try to use this is uh, I teach the people in my clients or in the app, there's videos that go over this and stuff where we talk about like, what is this? How do you use it? And then I will I will be cautious on compound lifts. So those, those metric-based lifts that we talked about where we're trying to add weight and get heavier and heavier over time, um, they typically have a higher injury risk, right? There's a, there, there's a bigger cost of it, uh, so to speak. And so for those, I might stay at like an RPE eight or an RR two. So I'm like, hey, we can progress this from a strength perspective by leaving two in the tank. Even if you're like, man, I could have probably gone heavier. Cool. Next week, you'll be able to, because next week, RPE eight will still be RPE eight, but it'll be a little bit heavier and you can keep your form tight. Like, let's just do that. And then when we're doing things like hip abduction, glute kickbacks, hamstring curls, rows, anything where I'm like, it is going to be extremely difficult for you to hurt yourself doing this. Yeah, I want to push it to RPE nine, RPE ten. Like, take it to failure because it's probably not actually failure. And the rare case where I do work with an extremely advanced bodybuilder, which usually doesn't happen because they do their own programming typically, <laughs> um, then I wouldn't do that because I know that they would take it too far. You know, mm -hmm. um, so I hope that kind of helps people like understand where I'm at with it. And I think I do think like just as a like a blanket statement in my experience, been doing this a really long time. Most of the time, um, guys, I have to bring it down and say like, Hey, like I want you to drop a weight and focus on your form. Cause it just doesn't look that great. Let's like, let's tighten that up. Mm -hmm. And then women, I'm like, you really need to throw some more weight on there because your form looks fantastic. You're breezing through that. You don't even sweat in the session. Like let's, let's go. You have more strong strength in you. And usually it leads to a lot of empowerment. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and the last thing I'll say with that is, is I've actually done some programming where I'll look at a female's client, uh, program and I'll see that they're doing, and this is just with experience. People will get it. Like she's doing 25 pounds for a dumbbell bench press. She's also doing 25 pounds for a dumbbell row for the same amount of reps. But I know physically there's nobody, unless you have an injury that would cause this, who can only row as much as they can press. You can always row more than you can press. Therefore, I know you should be doing more. So what I will do is, is the next week, she'll look at a program and it says max reps with 25 pounds. Because I want to prove to her that she can do more. And I'm like, I want you to go to absolute failure. I like literally want you to drop the dumbbell. Like, I don't even care if you only do one set. Just, just take it to the, take it home and she'll report back. She's like, well, I got 20 reps. And I'm like, we've been missing out on a lot of progress. Cause you don't realize how much strength you actually have. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, answer. I think at the end of the day, especially if they don't have a coach and you're following a program that does say like eight to 10 reps, 12 to 15 reps, you know, three to six reps, whatever it is. And you get to six reps and you stop because it says six reps, but you could have done five more reps. You're not using the right weight. Like mm -hmm. that, those rep ranges are there for a reason. It's not like pick whatever weight you want and then just do this many reps. It's no, if you're doing 10 to 12 reps, you should either be squeaking out that 10th rep because it was that heavy or you can get 12 reps, but 12 is like the last number that you hit on that rep scheme. It's That is what ranges are for. And I think the biggest problem is that so many people are like, oh, 10 to 12 reps and they finish the 12th rep and they're like, well, do I have to wait a minute? Because I feel like I can, it's like, well, okay, then we didn't use, we didn't use the right weight here. So you should want to wait. I'm thinking about my workout this morning in front squats and I'm like, oh, 
shit, I only got 20 more seconds to rest. Better breathe. That's the worst. <laughs> get into like rep eight, like pulling out. And I, I had my headphones on this morning and I totally just blurred out Fuck. at the end. We'll have to bleep that out. And I was like, oh, it was like the last set on the last Front squats rep. are the one movement that I grunt with. Everything. Oh, yeah. I'm not like a big grunter when I when I lift heavy, but front squats are the one that I have to like let it go and scream sometimes on that last rep. Yeah. It's just yeah. oh, the yeah. core. You know what? Like, uh, and research proves that too. Like, you should actually be resting longer between sets. Yeah. You're gonna get more benefit from resting um, like two to five minutes because you'll actually be able to keep the weight up throughout the session. Um, the when you rest less than two minutes your your load will decrease as the sets go on and if you don't decrease the load your form will be compromised and injury goes up so um i definitely 100 agree like you should be uh, taking enough rest to be able to continue lifting heavier or at least lifting as heavy as you are with better form Mm -hmm. absolutely so i would love if we could kind of wrap up with uh, the one piece of advice you could give women who are mm. in terms of their training regimen and you know their workouts like if you could give women because you obviously work with lots of women what would be like that one piece of advice i know it, and you can maybe make it like faceted like there's a couple points yeah. to it but <laughs> that's, that's a loaded i know question. that's a tough one yeah. i'm thinking I, I of already like, like multiple but <laughs> yeah like honestly i think the thing that i would say to like kind of like kind of bring all of the advice I would give somebody uh, like that together is believe in yourself more. Like, I think that you just don't give yourself enough credit for what you're able to achieve. And I think it's, honestly, I think that's everybody in life. I think that's one of like my biggest passions is to bring out that in people. Um, I personally look back and I have a lot of people I know from way back in the day that look at me now and they're just like, what the heck? Like how, and, and the reason is because I've just, I've just chose to believe in myself. I've just always chose to see like people doing amazing things in life and getting super strong or developing huge businesses or having uh, great marriages and families and having a big business. And I go, why them? Like, why them, not me? There's just, there's literally nothing I can pinpoint why they're phenomenally better. And I think that's the case with all women with fitness and everything else in life too especially fitness though. I think all, all things in life is everybody, but for women, I definitely think that with fitness, because there's so many times where I have conversations with women, I'm like, you, I know you have more in the tank. Like, it's like the whole, like the, the, the mom who lifts a car off her baby thing, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. which is a true story. And it's like, if you, if you really just put that self-belief into you and you want, you desire to do it, you will get so much stronger. You will build so much more success with your physical fitness. And it creates a lot of empowerment, right? Going to the gym and lifting baby weights and doing it fast. And you're not going to get that same mental stimulus that makes you feel like a badass. Like you're, you need to go in there and you need to push it and you need to do that so that you leave the gym empowered and feeling like you own that place. And when you do that more, I think your results will be significantly better and you'll be more confident in every other area of your life too. You go in and you own it. So, um, yeah, just believe in yourself. There's just, I've just seen way too many women come through our coaching that I just knew had more in them. And I was like able to spark that fire in some and not in others, but the ones that were, that, that had that spark and they really took the advice and believe themselves. Those are the ones that had the best transformation every time. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. This I'm, is awesome. I love it. Yeah. I, I'm again, like I never know a girl that gets super, super strong and is like, oh, I regret getting really strong. I regret lifting heavy. or that it doesn't impact other areas of the yeah, life, right? It their doesn't nutrition. impact their mental, their nutrition. Like I never see that. 
Never ever. So yeah, great piece of I advice. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for breaking this down for our listeners because we preach it, but I think sometimes it helps to just hear it from mm-hmm. one more educated in this area for sure <laughs> and more experienced with training and, you know, programming and all of that stuff. So thank you so much for spreading the good word around yeah. exercise and fitness and for doing what you do and hopefully inspiring some people listening here. Yeah. And yeah. I would love, like I'm on, um, Cody's app right now working with one of his coaches and you know I love the programming I have to say I do appreciate that you do change it up so frequently because I'm a person that gets bored as Mm -hmm. well I'm doing the hypertrophy right now I'm in the middle phase and so it's nice because I was like oh man I'm I'm getting gassed here on these squats because I I started at where I came from like with a you know previous coach because I wanted just to keep progressing so that change up is nice um and just you know i appreciate that the app is great i'm excited for the updates to come um so share with our listeners i mean you guys if you are looking for a progressive training program cody has so many programs in the taylor trainer app so we will of course link out everything in the show notes but leave our listeners with where they can find you connect with you and i hope that some of them will get their butts into the gym Mm -hmm. on a progressive training program. Ladies, please stop the random Instagram, YouTube. Even like Peloton. I mean, I love Peloton. I think it's great. It's a great fitness program, but like people are just picking random classes Mm -hmm. and doing them. And it's like a bike and then a boot camp and then a strength class. And it's like, there's no, I mean, again, I love Peloton. I think it's a great business model because it gets people in their house moving, but it's just random. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like I was, I was thinking about this earlier at the beginning when we were kind of talking about uh, my own growth and uh, there's a quote and it says, uh, raise your commitments or lower your standards. And I think that a lot of times people have this high standard of what they want to achieve, but their commitment to, to accomplishing that is so low. And that's why they go the easy route. Their commitment from an effort perspective is very low. They want the easy thing. So what do they do? Peloton. Oh, I can watch it screen and do this mm-hmm. in my living room. Perfect. You know, like, oh, now there's like a mirror thing with cables that come out of it and I can hang it on my wall. Like, I don't know what that thing is, but I hear about it. And there's just weird things like that. And so to me, I'm like, no, like raise the commitment of what you're doing. Go to the gym, build a garage gym, do whatever you got to do. Like go work, go do hard things. That's what life is about. Life is not easy. You should be doing hard things because that makes you a stronger individual in every capacity. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I mean, I totally agree. And, and, you know, the Taylor trainer, you can find it at uh, taylortrainerapp.com. Um, the cool thing about that is I've had enough experience to know when more variety is, is good and when it's not. So like some of the more beginner programs, you'll see that you do the same thing for more weeks because they need more time and they actually don't get bored with it because it's still so new to them that mm-hmm. they're still learning it. And then there's people like us who do get bored quick. So what we need is like every three weeks is changing or there's a program called Bulletproof Bodybuilding and there's a a little aspect that changes every single week, right? And I do that because there's certain people that just need that frequent stimulus to keep motivation high in the gym. So um, the problem is that I like creating programs so much that there's so many programs to choose from in there. Uh, and that's part of the reason why we're, uh, we, we hired a, a developing team. We're actually creating a completely new app. So when that launches later this year, it's going to be really, really cool. I'm excited for it, but we're going to be able to have a better navigation to help you choose what program you should follow, how your journey should be. Um, there's going to be a lot of cool extra stuff that I can't talk about yet in there that we're working on. Um, so I'm really, really excited for that. Uh, but if you need good programs, obviously that's the place to go. And, uh, and yeah, like, 
uh, Cody McBroom on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of content. Tailoredcoachingmethod.coms, where there's a ton of more free content. And then the Tailored Life podcast is my podcast, which um, it was funny because when you said Luca likes to talk at dinner, I just started laughing my head because I'm like, there's no way we're going to get through all the topics because I, it's very hard for me to <laughs> like pull it down. That's, that's why we do a podcast too, is because I can just go. So um, I know there was a, there was a whole different aspect that you guys want to touch on. Okay. So if you guys want to we'll do, do a part another, two. Um, yeah. I am totally fine. Come back on. I, I would love to. Um, Cause I'm an open book, but awesome. uh, I appreciate you guys having me on and, and yeah. yeah, it was a blast. Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys.